This podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license. Please include this license notice with any copy or derivative of this work. Recorded at Skillswap Brighton on the 11th of June 2008, this is Remy Sharp's presentation, jQuery, the DOM scripting toolkit. Thanks to magex.com and lighthouse.org.uk for their support in putting on this event. Without further ado, Remy Sharp. People see the slides okay. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, good. Yeah, cool. Okay, my name is Rishabh. Um, I'm going to be talking about jQuery. And my aim is to cover all the bases of jQuery for you. So, events, a, a bit of Ajax, effects, and DOM manipulation. And hopefully, you'll be able to go away today with a, you know, to be able to just jump into jQuery and you know, start trying yourselves. Um, so I'm going to start off with why bother using a, a JavaScript library. So first things first, it kind of takes the hassle out of um, DOM scripting. Um, you don't have to worry about creating text nodes that go into anchor element nodes and inserting them into the DOM into the right place. Okay. Yeah. The podcast might not have to start. Right. Got <laughs> <laughs> my name. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Should we start from the first? No, that's all right. Thank okay, cool. So yeah, anyway, it basically takes a hassle that all the DOM can work out of creating, uh, doing your DOM manipulation. Um, Hassles all the cross-browser issues for you. So you know, jQuery or MooTools or Prototype or whatever library you're using, they most likely cover all the issues that you're going to face if you were just scripting this yourself. So. Uh, DOM element attributes are slightly different between, can be slightly different between browsers. Inserting um, you know, TDs into tables can be the problem in IE and so on. Um, put some fun back into code. Basically, like I said, it gets rid of your donkey work. You don't have to worry about that. And you can actually focus on solving the problem. Um, and in addition, whatever library you do want to use in your projects, uh, I mean, from my point of view, I've got this kind of big team of developers behind that library sorting out problems and bugs and, and doing all the testing to make sure it actually works in the first place. And I just have to worry about my little application or my little piece of work and you know, isolate away from that library. And don't go trusting them 100%, but you can, you can have faith that there's a lot of smart guys behind whatever library you use. So why jQuery? <clears throat> jQuery, I like jQuery because it's a really lean API, it's really quick to learn. Um, it ends up making your code a bit smaller for, for pretty simple tasks. So if you're, uh, you've got some kind of gallery, the, the actual code to be able to hook in uh, click events and, and go and get your image on the fly and load it in and create effects is much more smaller than if you were doing it by hand. And the syntax is really easy to learn as well. If you go through the API and just start browsing, you'll, you'll pick it up pretty quickly. It's 16K GZIP, so it's pretty small. Um, it works really well with other libraries if you're going to use them. Um, and it's encapsulated, so it doesn't interfere with other code that's, that's on your page. Plugins are really simple, like super simple. You can write, uh, you can write a piece of code that uh, Say, for instance, you've got your website and all your text fields, you want to have a, a description appear. Like, I've got a little plugin that I wrote once, um, it takes the title attribute and sticks it in the, the input field. And to make that plugin, it was only a few lines of code change. And then I reuse that in a lot of the projects I use. And the plugin API is, is stupidly simple to, to develop with. Which leads me on to the, the, community, the community behind jQuery. There's, uh, there's the Google Groups board, which is turning over about 100, 100 messages a, a day. If you've got any questions there, they're, it's highly, highly active. There's an IRC channel that I think it's like 200 guys just hanging out there, or girls. Um, all the guys there. <laughs> <laughs> hanging out there, just, just reading all the questions. And, um, and there's loads of tutorials on the internet. And if you need more, it's the big boys use it as well. So BBC, Google, uh, 
whole bunch of guys. I think jQuery have actually got a list of all the, uh, the, the big websites that they're using. So out of the box, jQuery comes with uh, selecting. So it uses CSS to do all the selecting. Chaining one is one of those, those cool features. Um, DOM manipulation, events, Ajax, simple, um, simple effects. Out of the box, it also supports i6 and upwards, Safari 2 and upwards, Firefox 2 and upwards, Opera 9, and everything works the way it should do. Um, if it doesn't, you can report a bug and it'll be jumped in pretty quickly. Um, but in my experience, it's been, it's been pretty consistent. I haven't noticed any, any differences between the browsers. As I mentioned just then as well, um, Outside of this functionality, anything that you want to add on, like a, like a gallery effect or some kind of menu effect or some kind of extra special cool transition, they're normally done through um, uh, through plugins. So this ranges from jQuery's UI suite of plugins, uh, tabs and coordinates, <coughs> some special effects, to the developers who work on plugins.jQuery.com, to, to everyone else on the internet. Um, and there's, there's hundreds out there. So the dollar function. <clears throat> Dot function has three uses or three ways of using it. Uh, the first one is to do selecting in the DOM. So you'll put in your CSS selector and grab a piece of DOM. Second way is to wrap um, a DOM element in jQuery so you've got access to all the functionality of jQuery. Um, so say you've created your, your anchor link and you don't want to insert it yet, you want to uh, change the attributes of it, you want to build up your DOM nodes before you drop it into, into the actual uh, document. You can drop it into jQuery by itself and manipulate it and work with it. And the third way is, a, is a, as a shortcut to the document.ready function. Um, so you, if you pass in a function directly into this dollar function, um, it'll act as a shortcut to document.ready run this function when the dom's ready. So it's just a, you know, a few simple examples. First one being just a straight selector. The next two being um, creating a, a UL element, so I can either do it as straight HTML or as a, a document.create, and the third one is uh, document.ready, basically. So selectors. jQuery's motto is very much find something, do something to it. Now we buy the dollar function. Um, it's worth noting as well, you can, you can use just jQuery as the equivalent to that same. So all selectors are written using CSS1 through quite a bit of three uh, syntax. Um, it's, I mean, <clears throat> from my, from my, in my opinion, this, this way, this approach to doing uh, DOM selection is perfect for developers and designers because we're all, well, we should all really know a fair bit of CSS. Even if it's at least CSS2, you're gonna know how to target particular items inside the DOM without having to really go and learn CSS, I think. Um, and that's why I think actually this is quite easy for designers to get to grips with, because you're familiar with the syntax already. Um, and you've got custom selects as well, which <clears throat> don't make sense in CSS, but you can use them to select. So you can say, I want to find all the hidden nodes on the page, or I want to find all the nodes that are animating at the moment, or I want to find the nodes that are something else. There's a, there's a plugin that adds uh, something like 25 or 30 or more extra custom selectors, which, if you're really lazy, um, you can have a look at them and it saves you a lot of hassle in terms of, um, not hassle, but it saves you doing the selecting. Um, it's also worth noting that if you run a selector and it doesn't find anything, this doesn't mean that jQuery has failed. It just means that the, query, the, the result set is zero. So, when I come on to chain, I'll show you that if it doesn't find anything and you chain down, it's not going to throw an error, it just won't say anything, it won't tell you about it. So uh, I've spent a good 20 minutes kind of looking at something, wondering why it's not doing anything, it's because there's nothing in the, uh, the query set. And also you can use, select, um, use the select syntax on XML documents, so if you do a, an Ajax hit and you pull back an XML document, you can run those same selectors. Just a few simple examples of uh, CSS selectors. Uh, that grabs me all the divs, that grabs me all the divs with uh, the class of foo. So that one grabs me all the anchor links who have uh, the type, attribute, application, PDF. 
and the third one gets me all the first columns in the table. Tricky selectors, if you so feel inclined to put, you know, create an ID with a dot in the middle of it, <laughs> that won't work. <clears throat> because that's saying, find me the, the element with the ID of content and the class of block. So you just escape the dot. If you so happen to want to put a dot on your ID, that's how to get that again. <clears throat> so this is an example of some of the custom selectors. Um, like I said, these selectors don't make sense in CSS because you wouldn't target something to style it if it was invisible, or vice versa. Um, so those are all the visible. I think visible is either visible see as none or uh, display none. Um, animated, which is good for asserting whether or not um, a particular element is animating. So if you're, if you're creating some kind of effect and you don't want it to fire twice if someone's you know, rolled over something twice, you can check whether or not it, that that selector is true for this particular element. Um, all the inputs, so this, <clears throat> that covers uh, text boxes and select boxes um, and every not odd row, so <clears throat> every even row basically. You can also write your own custom selectors. Like I said, this big plugin of 30 odd custom selectors has lots of these inside of it. <coughs> Um, you'll need to look up the, the syntax for what arguments go inside of it, and to be honest, I've never found a reason to actually write my own selector yet. <coughs> but you, you might need them, um, so you can actually write them yourself. Uh, so this is just a sim simple example where I'm saying, find me all the, uh, the anchors that are within this, this ID. It doesn't really make a lot of sense because you could write it a different way. Selected performance. I mean, Speed uh, is constantly kind of banded around around the libraries um, as an issue, or not as an issue, but it's discussed a lot. Unless you're writing a really high performance a uh, application, speed probably won't be an issue for any of you. Or you know, it might be in, in the company you're working for. I've, I've worked on a project where speed has been an issue. Um, so the way that I think of these two CSS, uh, these selectors, is that. Doing hash email is the same as uh, doing get element by ID. Doing dot email is the same as doing get element by tag name star. So I'm, the first example goes straight to one unique, hopefully, um, element. So if you've got a DOM with you know, 5,000 elements, that's going to give me one. If I've got a DOM of 5,000 elements and I do dot email, it's going to look through all 5,000 of them, do the equivalent of get attribute um, class name and then check whether or not that is on every single one of the DOM, uh, DOM nodes. So that is going to be a lot more expensive than the first one. Most of the apps you work on, you will never see that. But if you're working on a high performance app, that's something to think about. You can narrow this down by using context. So just as you do with CSS, if you want to target something specifically and narrow down what, you're, what you want to style, you can use this same approach with jQuery. So here I'm using context of uh, I'm telling it to just look at the div uh, div nodes that have a class of uh, email. So for example, the BBC website's got 1,200 DOM elements on it. It's only got 90 divs on it. So if I know as a developer that the the, the div has a class of email, I know I'm looking for that one of those divs. I can narrow it down and reduce what I'm looking for. I can set the context with a, a space, so I can say just look at the, the emails at DOM node and then look within that DOM node. Or I can pass in context as a second parameter. Um, you can use this, or you can use the DOM node that you've selected, or you can pass in a jQuery selector to narrow down the, the selection, the, the querying that you're doing. Of course, you should probably catch it as well. <coughs> So just store it. If you're using it more than once, just store it. And it means you're not going to create a new jQuery object and you know, rerun the, the selector every time. <clears throat> so where I come on to chaining? Chaining is kind of a, it's, it's what makes jQuery stand out um, from, from the crowd, really. It's, uh, it's what is at the heart of the style of the code that you produce with jQuery. So jQuery, uh, sorry. Chaining allows me to join, join more than one function together and it will take the result from the first query and pass it to the second one 
and keep passing it down until I either change the, the, the collection that I'm working with, or just finish, or, or whatever. There are a couple of exceptions. Um, if you can read the bits at the bottom, CSS and values. Basically, if you're getting a text string out of, uh, uh, out of your query, then obviously, you, well, you can chain it, but you can chain, need to chain it to a, a string function. Okay, so if I'm doing dot val and input, I'm getting a string back. I'm obviously not going to be able to chain that into slide down or animate or so on. <coughs> so this is an example of chaining. <coughs> when I click on the, the anchor that has a class of tab, my tabs variable that I stored earlier on, I can do dot hide. <coughs> so that's now hiding all the, uh, the tabs on that page. And then filtering for this dot hash. So this dot hash refers to the hash part of the link that was, uh, that was clicked on. And then I'm calling show. <coughs> so if I switch over, hopefully I'll show you. It's working. So this is the code for the that tab page you're seeing. Um, I've just stored the links here because I want to add a selected class to it. But this is the code we're looking at. So tabs, which is uh, selected up here. Dot hide. Dot filter. Dot show. And that's all on one line. I mean, it's you now I've got new lines on there. But it's, it's just one command. The reason when I put on this hides all the tabs and shows the one that uh, is actually being linked to. If you can <coughs> basically the, the href for each of those um, links is the ID of the tab. So that's really, really simple tabs away. <coughs> Another simple example of chaining, I create a new image, I've hooked on a, a load event, hooked on a, an error event, and then I'm setting the, the the source attribute of the image. So that means that <coughs> Because I've, I've hooked on those, those load events and the error events before I've set the source, I can uh, say once that's loaded, take the image that has now been loaded, set its opacity to zero, insert it into the DOM, let it fade in so it looks all sexy when my gallery works. And if there's some kind of error, I can handle that as well. <coughs> but that's, that's all one line. I don't have to keep selecting. I don't have to, um, yeah, I don't have to keep selecting, basically. Working the DOM. So jQuery makes it incredibly easy to navigate the DOM. So first off, you know, you've got CSS selectors to get you straight into where you're interested in. Um, it can, your, your CSS selector is, uh, again, works like, it's exactly the same as CSS. So if, it's, there's, if there's loads of anchor links that you're interested, interested in, it's going to grab all of those for you. Um, <clears throat> and then once we've uh, once we've got those elements, we can then call these functions. Um, so these are just straight navigations, moving up and down, left and right, um, from the, the, the group of elements we have already, and it will reset, it will change the collection of elements that we're working on. So if I have an input element, uh, say in a form, if I want to find the, the form it's within, I can do dot parents and say form first. I can pass in a selector to be able to say, go all the way up and find me the first um, form that you hit. But if I do parent, I'll just give me the, the parent element. So if I got it inside of a div that was holding the label and, and an element, I'd get the div instead. So I'm using dot parents to go up and grab the form. I'll show you an example if you're confused. <coughs> We've got filters which allow us to change the collection as well. Um, filter changes the collection horizontally. So if I've got uh, a bunch of divs with anchors inside of them on the page, and I do div.filter, it's going to look at the other divs uh, in, at, at horizontal level in the DOM tree. If anyone doesn't make any sense, doesn't understand that, I can make that clearer. Does that make sense? Yeah. Find goes downwards. So if I want to find all the anchors, I use find that goes downwards. Um, not gives me inverse and equals gives me the horizontally that the one that matches that index. So naught is the first DOM element, 
going forward. I've modified the collection I'm working with with add and end. <clears throat> so if I've got two completely different sets of DOM nodes that don't have the same selectors to get them, I could select them together separately and I could merge them together using the add function and then I can just have a click event and have a, a, a special effect or like merge my collection together. So you know, that's the active collection. Dot end resets the last action I did. So if I filtered all my uh, all my DOM nodes, uh, all my div elements to just uh, one one class, I could do dot end and get rid of that filter. Which I'll show you on the next page. <coughs> and there's a there's an is function which literally just says yes or no, it's true or false. So if I want to check if there's if this DOM element has certain class, or if, for example, it's animated, I can call .is and then carry on my, my program flow. So this is an example of, uh, of DOM walking, but also resetting the current collections. So I'm grabbing all the divs. I'm looking downwards to see, to find all the uh, anchors that have my subject for my emails. I'm clicking on click event. When I call dot end, it, it clears out the dot find um, selection, and I've gone back to all the divs. So this allows me to have like a, I mean, if I want to, I can have a really long line of uh, functions. You need to think about who else is going to be working in the code because it can get a bit un unwieldy. Um, but for small lines like this, it's, it's fine. Um, so and then now I'm doing equals zero, which is equivalent of just getting the first div element and then highlighting the first one. Excuse me. Just with uh, DOM walking, navigation is super easy as well. <clears throat> I mean, these are all the kind of bread and butter things that need to be in every library, in my opinion. Um, it's the way that it's presented and how um, you can chain these things together, which kind of work for me, which are jQuery. So these these group of functions, you can just pass in HTML, or you can pass in DOM nodes. You can pass in more jQuery objects, and it will just drop them into the uh, the DOM as you, you know, wherever you want it. You want to stick it before the current selected element. Just use that collection of functions. <coughs> Clearing out content. This, you know, it's obvious. Dot empty will empty out everything inside of a um, inside of your elements. Dot remove will actually take it out of the DOM completely. Um, remove attribute gets rid of an attribute entirely. Nice thing about dot remove is that you can you can move the actual DOM node out of out of your document and chain it to you know, append to and stick it somewhere else on the DOM. So if you literally just want to move a block of content right to the top of the, the DOM, you could use dot remove and then append to use chain to reinsert it. <coughs> you can manipulate as you'd expect so all the styles of the uh, the DOM node. Dot at, dot attr is kind of the the most basic way of doing it. Um, you can pass in any of your, your uh, DOM attributes and just modify it using this, or get it as well. So these all, uh, ATTR and CSS, both work as setters and getters. So if I want to get the href of my link, I do .attr, href, and it'll give it back to me. If I want to set it, I do .attr, href, and give it a new href. Add class, remove class, toggle class. Um, the CSS is the same. If I want to set an attribute of a, 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 the style, I'll just pass it in. If I want to get it out, I just put height and it will give me the height. Um, one of the nice things about the CSS function, there's a few others that do the same kind of thing. You can pass in a string. So you can say, I want to set the height to 100 pixels. So it'll be two, two parameters height, comma, 100 pixels. Or if you want to change the height and the opacity and I don't know, its margin, you can pass it in as an object rather than having to chain each one of those those calls. So you can pass an object that says height colon 100 pixels, opacity 0.5, margin left, you know, whatever. You pass it into CSS and it'll do it for you. <coughs> Hide and show literally just toggle the display CSS proxy. There's a really simple example, again, I'm uh, <clears throat> create a, 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 an anchor element, 
change the CSS, uh, change the opacity, sorry, by the CSS um, function, change its text, change its href, and uh, stick it into a, a DOM node, which I've emptied out before now. jQuery um, has this, this data function, which isn't that new anymore. I think it came in 1.2 something. But it's, I don't know what people know about it. <clears throat> Basically, what it does is it, it provides a way of hooking data to your DOM node. So previously, if I was coding, I would have my DOM node and I would just attach some kind of variable, some kind of state information to it, or a function. But in IE6, in IE, sorry, I can't remember which one, um, that can cause memory leaks. Especially if you you can read about memory leaks. jQuery has this uh, data function which will handle that for you. Um, so it stores, you store the data in this, this uh, you store your data inside this data function, and jQuery will handle the memory uh, leaks, the garbage collection for you. Um, and this is an example of how I use it. So I take my element, I do dot data, and it's literally a key value pair, so I can give it a value of a type, and I can get it out later on, and I can completely ditch it if I want to as well. It's, it's a much safer way of actually storing data against your, your node and grabbing it out much later. So, I mean, the fact that these are together, it could be at any point during your application, you can go and get the data again. So this is the dom.ready event. Pretty much most of your code is going to run through this, this function. <clears throat> dom.ready runs after the dom is ready and before the image is done. So it should be faster basically, that's, that's the idea. Window.onload equals function wait until everything is done, including the images. This will wait until the dom is ready to actually go. So the first is the Kind of standard syntax, document.ready function. The bottom, the second version is the shortcut I showed you earlier. Um, you don't have to do this if your code is at the foot of the page, because obviously the DOM is ready by the time you actually hit your script code. Okay. Going back to the uh, selectors, not throwing any errors. If you have your code in the head tag of your document and you run your selector, and it's not in the document.ready, it's not going to complain to you at all. It's not going to say there's any problem. Okay, it's just going to quietly fail, and you're probably going to scratch your head for a while until you remember that you didn't stick it in this. You stick it in foot, the, the actual foot is just before the body closes, and you do your you know, uh, .div, it will work. And obviously, I mean, basically, it will return as many of the, of the elements that have actually been rendered so far. That's the point. Window.load runs after the images are loaded. So if you happen to, uh, it's useful to know this basically. If you happen to have a page that, doesn't have, that has images, doesn't have any height and width attributes on them, which you should probably do anyway, but if you happen to not have any height and width attributes on these images, and you need some kind of dimension information, you're going to want to go into this, you want your function to hook into this, this event. because the dimensions are going to change once those images are loaded in. <clears throat> so all events go through this, uh, this dot bind function. Um, jQuery handles all your cross-browser problems. Uh, it standardizes the event that's passed into your, your event handler. So you can get the specific element that's been clicked. So if you want to use a bit of simple event delegation, um, you can use event.target. It will give you the, the event that's actually been clicked on. Just as with the data as well, it manages a garbage collection for you, so there's uh, the shouldn't be. It binds to every single select, every single element that's found from the selector, rather than just the first one, which I found some libraries to do, which is strange. But. And there's a um, there's a shortcut as well, which allows you to bind once, triggers, and once it's done triggering, it will unbind automatically for you. So if you just want a one-off one-off event, you just do one name of the, the event type, passing function, and it just does it as a one-off. 
So this is a simple example of a binding. So, just, so all the links with the reveal class bind the click event. And the, the context of all of your events, that this keyword is going to be the element that has been the, the event has been triggered against. So if I click on a link, this is referring to the link I just clicked on. So this dot hash hash is the the DOM attribute for you know the hash symbol for it. Um, and that means that because it happens to also resemble a CSS selector, I can you drop it straight into uh, jQuery and do dot slide down. Okay. And I'm at the end of this, I'm actually saying dot filter. I'm finding the first link that was selected down. I'm triggering a click event, so I'm actually triggering the first one to go. And I use that in the, the tabs example I showed earlier on to get it to select the first tab. I use it at chaining and I said trigger the, the first element. Like I said, jQuery's API is pretty lean, but it has a lot of these helper functions, which are shortcuts to the bind um, uh, function, basically. <coughs> so you've got helpers for click events, keyboard, um, form, change on a, a radio button and then a submit on a form, um, window scrolling, and you can hook load and error uh, event handlers to script, uh, to script tags, images and windows. So I think if you're lo like loading a, an iframe, you want to know when the iframe's done loading, you can hook in a, a load event. I think you have to own the, the, the URL before you do that though. If you want to cancel the default action the browser's going to do, you need to just return false. There's event pre uh, prevent default, and uh, you can cancel it bubbling as well. So have a look at the API. Um, but if normally when you have a, a often when you hook in a, a click event, <clears throat> you're probably going to want to cancel the default click function. So you'll just end the function, the, the handler with return false. You can sort. You can also roll your own custom events. So this works the same way as any other event. Um, you bind it to your element or elements, and you can trigger them later. Uh, you can, yeah, you can just trigger them later and have that, have that handler do the job that you want it to do. You can also pass in data to the event handler, and the way it's done is that. When you trigger the, func the your custom event, pass in the name of the custom event, you pass in an array of your arguments to your handler. Okay, so it's not you know, uh, ID, comma, so on and so forth. It has to be inside an array, and then those get mapped to the arguments inside the handler just after the event. So if you want to pass in the data, it's there. <coughs> event namespaces. Is, uh, is a way of kind of creating a subset of events. A simple example, a simple way of explaining this is that I think if you've got click handles on every single one of your links and you want to, you need to bind just one special piece of functionality and take it away later on and it's actually still a click event, you can do this using event namespacing. The way this is done is, is literally just a, a dot and your namespace. So I can bind click.foo and a function. This is a click handler, but it's got the namespace of foo. And I can unbind it later on. I'll show you one. I'll show you this in, in use. So in this code I bind, I bind two click points. So the first one is just Appending uh, a piece of debug information. The second one is appending just a bit more information, uh, just saying it's via my namespace event. And the way I've done it is bind click.foo, here's the function. Can you not pop up a little bit? So, uh, yeah, sure. Is that better? Yeah. yeah. So here's the first bind, there's the second bind. So when I click on these links, You should see two messages coming up. When I click on remove, it's going to unbind um, the click.foo. No, 
So I'm going to unbind click.foo here. Okay? And now when I click on the same links, I have that for those two events that are bound to them. We're just seeing that one function being triggered. Namespaces. Ajax. Uh, Ajax is incredibly easy with jQuery. I mean, yeah, it's, it's all tucked away for you. Yeah. You barely have to think about it, to be honest. Um, it handles all the cross browser stuff for you and it works straight out of the box, basically. Um, the $.ajax function is kind of where everything goes in. Uh, it's, it's basically the lowest level version of uh, your Ajax calls. But jQuery has helpers for all of these as well. Um, so you can do .get, .getjson, .script, .postload. And these will just grab bits of HTML and just ram them into your DOM for you, basically. Um, before I show you an example, um, all the Ajax requests, when they go out, they come with this X requested with HTML, uh, XML request, this string, basically. So if you've got PHP on the other side and you want to use the same controller to respond to the request, you can sniff for this header and you can just send a bit, a bit of data back rather than your whole view. So it's useful if you've got you know, your, model, your controller model having reusing the same functionality, like validation is a good example. You, when you submit the form and there's no JavaScript, when you submit it, you want all the validation run. When you submit, when it gets submitted via an Ajax here, just for a little bit of validation, you don't want to have to rewrite another you know, controller and view and all that, just to handle one particular function. You want it to, uh, you want to reuse the code. So it's worth sniffing for that header to be able to handle it. Am I okay for time? Okay. Yeah, fine. Um, so this is a really simple Ajax example. So what I'm doing here is uh, I'm saying when the link's clicked, find the info element, dot load, and I'm saying the href. I'm using this. Basically, I can use dot load, and I can tell it what you're able to look at, and I can give it a selector to just get me, get, get me pieces of information out of that page. And that will load in the response into this info div. So the actual parameter I'm passing in is uh, info.html space hash project space li. And when I click on it, it'll give me uh, this information which is coming from this page, let me show you. So this page is a, it's just a standard HTML page, nothing special about it. It's just being requested by an Ajax request and a selector is being run on it to be able to just grab a piece of information out of it. So that's a, a simple select, a simple piece of a Ajax. This is where you can do a lot more with Ajax. So you can set up specific handlers, error handlers, um, notices to happen before your Ajax goes off. So a good example is um, Google Docs have a little loading thing in the corner. You could have like a global Ajax uh, handler that says every time an Ajax hit happens, have the little flashing loading business going on. I won't go into detail for that. <clears throat> so jQuery, like I said, comes with a whole bunch of uh, well, a whole bunch of basic effects. Show and hide to just toggle things on and off. You can pass in speeds to these effects as well. Um, you can either pass in milliseconds for time to complete. Or you can pass nothing slow, normal, and fast, which are just kind of shortcuts to that. If you do a show and hide with the speeds, it will kind of expand out, which I'll show you in a second as well. Fade in and out, fade toggle as well. And you've got slide down, slide up, and slide toggle. The only thing to remember with the toggles is what state it was in in the first place before it actually happens. Or you can create your own animations, which I can pass in an object which says, change opacity and shift it left relative to where it is at the moment by 10 pixels. 
that's a show hide, and it's literally just taking, selecting the div and running the, 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 the toggle on it uh, with a speed. And, yeah, an animation. Yeah. And it's, it's literally, you know, that, that's the code to do it. jQuery's got some helper uh, utilities with it, within it as well. Um, I'm not going to go into detail because I've got a few minutes left, but um, these functions allow you to interrogate other types of objects, so arrays, uh, just normal objects, and you can use grep to, to grep out the bits of the uh, arrays that you want. You've got the browser objects as well. Uh, the dollar.browser, it's got a bunch of information about what browser you're working in, so if you do have to resort to browser sniffing, you can use this to work out whether or not you're working in IE or Safari and what particular version. Um, uh, it's got the box model as well. Um, and there's, the, there's, a, there's a utility function called isFunction. Uh, you may or may not need to use it, but it's things, if you do a type, if you put an object element inside of a, the DOM, Firefox sees it as a function, or if you do a type of that element, it says it's a function, but it's really not. So um, jQuery has this is function if you really want to make sure what you're dealing with is a function. Core utilities. No conflicts is, is basically a way of getting jQuery to play well with other libraries. Um, if you want, if you need to load ProSype or MooTools or something like that, that has a dollar function in it, jQuery needs to be loaded last. <coughs> and once you've loaded it, you do you know, your new variable name equals dollar dot no conflicts, and it will restore the original dollar function. So ProSype uses dollar, and if you've ran jQuery, if you pulled in the jQuery scripts as well, they both be trying to use the same function, the same entry point. Um, you can use dollar no conflicts and it will restore prototype back to its healthy state. You can use prototype as you want, you know, dollar passing the idea of the element. And wherever you store jQuery, you'll be able to use it still as well. <clears throat> Might be useful for like regression testing if you ever need to if you ever have a reason to put two versions of jQuery on the same page, you can test them using that. Another core utility is uh, extend. <clears throat> You'll see if, if you're writing your your um, if you're writing plugins, you, you might use this a bit to, to be able to create like uh, settings for your 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 plugin. You can have a look at that on the uh, the API docs. <clears throat> I'm just going to quickly run through a very uh, quick example of a, a plugin. They're simple to write. Like I said, they, they make your code very usable. Um, as long as you don't break the chain, you can reuse them again, um, and other people can use them as well. It's a really simple plugin. I hook onto the jQuery.fn uh, entry point. Log links is my plugin name, and pretty much most plugins you see will do return this, and the, the return this means that someone else can chain afterwards. And here I'm saying is that this.h for every element that's got a no type of uh, an anchor. Log out the um, the href. So at the bottom, you can see me using it in, uh, in my chaining. I mean, that's that, that simple. The, this block code in the middle could, could be used anywhere. And just to return dot h, uh, this dot h, and you've got your plugin pretty much. That's it. Um, <laughs> yes, there's some links there. Basically. No, we've probably got a few minutes for questions if anyone has anything. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I have two. Um, first of all, the data um, functions. Can you actually, because your uh, example just had a keyboard repair, um, can you actually throw an object into uh, as a background value um, for the value part of keyboard repair? Yes, so your question is, can you pass in any, any type of uh, uh, data constructs as the value on a, uh, in the data function? The answer is yes. You can pass in a function. Um, I've used it to, to kind of capture t uh, set the result from the set timeout, like the timer, and then I use it to clear it later on. Good way of storing that later. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Was um, the plugin stuff, can you use that to, uh, bear in mind I'm a kind of JavaScript novice, can you use that to call the 
function that was originally there before override it and add some functionality onto it, if, if that makes sense. Uh, my, my example I'm thinking of is override the selector so that um, when a selector is returning zero elements, it sticks something in console.log so that I know it's returned zero elements without having to worry about why my stuff hasn't worked. So your question? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a podcast. <laughs> So the question is, is basically can you override um, existing functions that are on jQuery, either plugins or internal functions? The answer is yes to both. You do them in different ways. You can override the selector function. I wouldn't recommend it, because uh, if you break it, you've lost your selector engine. Um, but there's, there's two, basically you just cache your original function. You probably wouldn't do it using uh, jQuery.fn. You, you'd probably do it using .extend, which you can get a bit more information from their website. But you would extend jQuery, you would create a like underscore version of the function. So you do underscore dot find, underscore find colon, and then jQuery dot find, and then you would create a new find function, which would have your function, and you would at the end probably call or at the beginning call the original version. So I've used that to force um, cache busting on AJAX before. Um, so I've overloaded the the .ajax function. I've forced in um, you know, a, a cache busting URL, a query string on the end of the, uh, the, the query object, forcing it to always, um, forcing all the get method AJAX requests to cache bus basically. And the original AJAX function is still there. Um, I've written a plugin that overloads the uh, find function and tells you you've forgotten to actually do document.ready. Um, but it's, it's noddy and it's you, you, you wouldn't really use it in production. You'd only ever use you don't ever use that stuff for debugging anyway. Yeah. Just, yeah. just so that you knew that you'd actually selected and not returned any um, nodes at all. Yeah. yeah. It kind of leads on from this, but I'm just curious about debugging because obviously it fails without error. What can you do to go about finding out where you've gone wrong in your code? Okay, I mean, obviously Firebug is a great starting place. Um, but does Firebug, if, it, if there's no error, it's not going to. Flag anything up? Yeah, no, it won't flag anything up, but the first bug is the fact there's nothing there. So, if you want to check whether or not your selector has any elements inside of it, you can either create yourself a little um, plugin um, that just logs out what's in there. And I know. I have you, when you were talking about a console, that's something I'm not too familiar with. It's Firebug. Yeah. Sure, or you could do it any way you want to. I mean, if you if you wanted to uh, debug, like create a div on the side of the page that all your debug went into, like you know my my click example, you could have your your log method just writing to that that div, um, and you could, if you wanted, you just have like a, a, a flag in there um, that just said whether it was on or off, and when you went to production, you could let your code go up because you turned off the debug flag, or you probably want to strip it out to be honest, but. Um, you, when you do, when you run a jQuery selector, you can treat it as a the, the return object. You can treat it as an array, so it will have a length. So if you want to test it, you can do dot length. I mean, Firebug's a really great way of debugging jQuery and even just playing jQuery without actually having J, uh, having an application there. So go to the Google web page, uh, go to the Google, Google homepage, and load in jQuery. So there's a jQuery bookmarker that you can get that will just inject jQuery into the page. And from Firebug, you just start, you know, uh, interrogating the page and running selectors and, and so on and so forth. Yep. So, so what's the uh, main architectural difference between jQuery and prototype and the Yahoo? What, what, how are they designed now? They're different. What, what do you get from this? So, your question. I mean, do you mean are, do you mean what are the differences between the, the kind of back-end architecture or the... the no, what are the principles behind this library that differentiate it from the other libraries? So what, what, are the, what, make, what makes jQuery, or you know, what, what, makes, what makes you choose which library you want to use? Uh, personally, I think it's a, matter, it's, it's a matter of taste sometimes. jQuery is really good for really quick prototyping. Like you can, you can build an animated, you know, 
your client wants something fancy, whiz bang kind of thing, but he wants a prototype really quickly. jQuery, you can do that really quickly with. Um, I mean, the library. So you can prototype faster in jQuery than you can in prototype. If you've got like a really big uh, banking app, for instance, you might not want to choose jQuery. You might want to choose something like Dojo, which has got you know, encryption in it and, and other things that I don't know about at the moment. Um, it, depends on, it depends on your application. It depends on your taste as well. The speed issue only really becomes an issue when you're, you're kind of working on high-performance apps. The majority of websites you come across today, it's, it's not going to make a difference. Um, honestly, from my point of view, jQuery is super easy to learn. I, I'm, I class myself as a really lazy developer. The less I do get the job done, the better. And jQuery helps me do that. And it's, it's just the way that the functions are kind of laid out, just make it easy to learn. So architecturally, there's, it doesn't really matter too much to me. I mean, they all work properly, all the browser differences are handled. Um, it's a matter of taste at this point. Yeah. Can I say something on that? Yeah. Um, one, one main difference that, um, well, that I'm aware of, say, between jQuery and Prototype. Prototype um, adds lots of properties and methods to existing objects, like, like the object object, and um, all the different JavaScript objects, it will add um, kind of missing properties that really ought to be there in JavaScript. It kind of takes that approach. So to some people, you know, that's perfect because that's fixing JavaScript. So I'd argue the opposite direction and say Prototype pollutes your global namespace with all of this other exactly. stuff and they can flex for So jQuery just keeps it all. That's very much philosophical. Discussion. There is actually there is actually one point on there. They didn't they the get element by class name? They implemented get element by class name and they had to drop it because the browser implemented it because it came to Yeah, it screws it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's boring, wasn't it? Well, it's, um, it's standardised now. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. well, sort of standardised, you know, these things are these days. But I guess the, the other thing is there are a whole bunch of. Prototype um, has a problem with iteration, the way certain scripts iterate through things, and Prototype breaks that. I think that was mostly fixed a while ago, but yeah, they, they originally had okay. okay. they, they, they stopped extending object site because okay. it was breaking all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, generally, I think mean, the, the thing that really speaks to it is Prototype and Mootools are the only two libraries that can't coexist on the same page. All of the other libraries of YUI and jQuery and Dojo avoid adding stuff to the global namespace and hence can play well with each other. But Prototype and Mootools are the two libraries that extend stuff and Hence, if you ask on the Mutals forum, how do I use this with prototype, you get flamed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on that note, I think we're going to call it a day. But uh, thanks very much, Remy. Yeah.